This is Because I Said So, parenting advice with love and leadership from the nation's leading parenting expert, John Roseman, syndicated columnist, author, conference speaker, and the only psychologist to point out that psychology has caused more problems than it has solved. From American Family Radio, here's your host, John Roseman. Well, welcome once again to the show. Uh, I'm John Roseman, your host, and the show is called Because I Said So. I'm here on American Family Radio every Saturday, 5 o'clock Central Time. And the show is all about what we today call parenting, parenting. And yes, that was my cell phone in the background. My apologies, telling me I had a text. So uh, it was a text from my sister, Janet. But my audience is more important than my sister, at this very moment in my life. So you are going to get my full attention, not her. How about that? So the show is all about what we call parenting in America today, a term I really don't like because uh, it, it sort of implies that there is a technology involved. And the further implication is that we need to lean on experts in order to know how to do this properly, which uh, 5,000 years of human parents did not feel they needed to do. Well, let me amend that slightly and say that 5,000 years of American parents up to the mid-1960s in America believed that the only experts that they needed when it came to the raising of children were their own parents and grandparents, and that's who we used to turn to in America when we needed parenting advice. And there have always been, you know, hurdles to get over and bumps in the road in in the childering process. I mean, you read Genesis chapter 3, the only perfect parent there is or ever will be, creates two children who give him a problem right off the bat, disobey his first instruction. So, you know, parents have always needed help little support here and there. And we used to turn when we needed such advice to elders in our extended families and elders in our churches and elders in our neighborhoods, people who had raised their children, who had obviously done a good job. They had raised responsible citizens. And uh, those are the people that we went to. And in the mid-1960s, we began going to mental health professionals, whether in person, through books, newspaper columns, public presentations. And I'm, yes, one of the people in question. And I see this whole industry, the parenting industry in America, from the inside because I'm part of it. And But unlike my colleagues... I see it from the inside, and I see it objectively, and I understand that this reliance on experts in America has created more problems for the American parent than it has solved, and uh, all because we substituted in the 1960s a psychological theory-based parenting paradigm for the biblically-based parenting paradigm that 
5,000 years of human parents had practiced prior to that time. And we've been descending into more and more and more of a mess ever since then. So the purpose of this show, which airs once again exclusively on American Family Radio every Saturday at 5 o'clock Central Time. Why do you say Central Time, John? Why not Eastern Time? That's what everybody else says. Well, because American Family Radio wants me to say Central Time, and so that's what I say. It's as simple as that, because they say so. And I respect authority. I haven't always respected authority in my life, but I respect authority. I've come to a point in my life, and I've come to this point many years ago, where I respect authority. And so American Family Radio says we would prefer that you tell your audience that you are with us every Saturday at 5 o'clock Central Time, And so that's what I do, trusting that my audience is intelligent enough that you can do the math if you're in the eastern part of the country or the mountain zone or the Pacific zone. So anyway, there are a lot of issues in American parenting today. Issues. That's what we call these things today. Controversies. One of which regards the use of vaccines. Now, you cannot talk about vaccines as regards children in a public venue these days without stirring up a lot of ire, negative feelings, because there are lots and lots of people out there who are just absolutely convinced that vaccines are evil and are being foisted upon us by evil corporate pharma, big pharma, and uh, that we shouldn't be vaccinating our children. Well, here's my position, folks. My position is there's a downside to everything. There is no such thing as a perfect world, and there is no such thing as a perfect solution to any problem in this imperfect world. The idea that we can come up with perfect, risk-free solutions to problems is a utopian idea. And these utopian ideas began to infiltrate American culture in the 1960s. The 1960s is a decade that America is still trying to recover from and not doing a very good job of, by the way, if recent events are any indication, and especially the last eight political years in this country. But that's a different story, and this is a parenting show. But my point is that even conservatives, even evangelicals, even people who are biblically based in their worldview seem to believe, and especially in this vaccine issue is a prime example, that somehow we're going to be able to come up with a perfect solution to a problem or that there is a possibility in this imperfect world that perfect solutions are possible. It's just An absurd idea, folks. In an imperfect world, let me be very clear about this, perfect solutions are impossible. Now, 
over the last hundred years, because of vaccines we have been able in America, and we have been able by sharing these technologies with the world to bring this state that I'm about to describe, to, to share this worldwide, we have been able to completely eradicate typhoid fever, smallpox, measles, whooping cough, and that's the short list. These are diseases that used to strike children and kill children by the thousands just here in America on a yearly basis. And we have been able to completely, up until recent times, eradicate these childhood scourges through the use of vaccines. And yes, there are instances where children have had severe negative reactions to vaccines. But folks, I go back to the idea in an imperfect world which no human being or collection of human beings can make perfect in any of its aspects, perfect solutions are impossible. There is a risk factor to anything. There is a risk factor to seatbelts. Seatbelts reduce automobile fatalities significantly. However, in certain circumstances and certain situations, seatbelts have been blamed for automobile fatalities because they have prevented people from getting out of say, burning automobiles. So there is a downside to anything. Any solution carries risk. We don't ban seatbelts because 10 people a year die because they couldn't get out of burning automobiles because of seatbelts. But back to vaccines, yes. Vaccines have been responsible for some children having severe Reactions and even have been responsible for some childhood fatalities. No one would argue that. But does that make a case for banning vaccines? That's the question. And the answer is no. Absolutely not. It does not make a case for banning vaccines. Where any solution is concerned, there are risk factors. And in order to evaluate the efficacy of the solution, the proposed solution, you must balance the benefit against the risk. When you balance the benefit of vaccines, having wiped out typhoid fever, measles, uh, smallpox, all these diseases that used to kill children by the thousands every year against the risks which involve a handful per year of severe negative reactions and fatalities. Folks, the positive side wins clearly. Now, there is common sense to not giving all of these vaccines at the same time. 
There is common sense to staggering vaccinations over, say, a year's period of time. But no one is going to be able to make a coherent argument to me for banning these vaccines entirely, which some parents seem to be doing these days. And we'll come back to that when we come back from our break. Stay with us. Welcome once again to the show. I'm John Roseman, your host, and the show is called Because I Said So. We're talking about vaccines, and and I'm you know I'm fully aware that when you talk about vaccines in America today, that that you know, there will be people out there who cheer me on. You know, they're they're jumping up and down, going right on, John, because my point of view is that. And I'll review what I said in the first half of the show. Yes, there are risks to giving children vaccines. And folks, I have talked to medical doctors who are on both sides of this issue. I have talked extensively to medical doctors who believe that vaccines are absolutely necessary. And I have talked to medical doctors who believe that vaccines should be eliminated. And I've even talked to some medical doctors who say that vaccines, uh, you know, are uh, are causing uh, autism and causing this and 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 stuff. Folks, I am willing to believe this stuff. Let me tell you. But I am a fact based guy. I am not a guy who goes off on intellectual tangents. And it seems to me that these people who are promulgating this theory that vaccines are behind or the culprit behind the dramatic rise in the incidence of autism, it seems to me that these people are going off on intellectual tangents. These are not fact-based, research-based claims. Now, I am willing to be persuaded of this, but until somebody shows me evidence in the form of research that has been replicated to the effect that autism is being caused by vaccines, I am going to withhold judgment. And until then, I am going to say publicly, as I am saying today, that I believe the positive aspects of vaccines far outweigh the proven negatives. So, you know, I've said this before, and I've said it in my newspaper column before, and I got a letter from a mother from Texas who says, against the constant pressure of our pediatrician, we refused vaccines for almost a year while doing our due diligent research on efficacy and side effects. Well, that's a good thing. The pediatrician put so much pressure on us that at our child's, first child's, 12 months mark, we gave in to him and had one, allowed one set of vaccines. Our perfect baby 
who had never had a cold or even a diaper rash, had a severe reaction, became violently sick, and screamed and cried nonstop. We call the doctor immediately, and we're told repeatedly, it's normal, don't worry. Well, that, that, that is not the right thing to have told these people. The right thing to have told them, and again, I've talked to a lot of doctors about this, so I know what I'm talking about, even though I'm not a medical doctor. This is not rocket science. The proper thing to have told them is, number one, bring the child in. Number two, in all likelihood, you know, bring the child in. I'll do a further examination. Number two, in all likelihood, this is a transient reaction. We're going to watch it carefully and watch it very closely. But the likelihood is this is what's called an idiosyncratic, in other words, unusual, a transient reaction. In other words, it's unusual. It has something to do with the chemistry of this particular child, idiosyncratic and transient. In other words, it'll pass. Uh, This went on for days, the mother says. We finally brought our daughter back to see the doctor Can you believe what came out of his mouth? He said she's way overdue for another series. Let's give her the next set. Well, you know, it's it's doctors like this that give vaccines a bad rap, to tell you the truth. I mean, this is a completely irresponsible thing to be saying to these people who are in great distress because they've had a baby who's been absolutely no problem. They call her a perfect baby. Well, she wasn't perfect, but maybe these people don't have any biblical foundation, so they think their child is perfect. But anyway, this was a completely irresponsible thing to be telling these people that, you know, this child who's just had a severe reaction to a vaccine needs another vaccine. In horror and disgust, the mother goes on to say, we took our child and left. We were lucky she got over the vaccine ordeal, yes, because it was an idiosyncratic, transient reaction. But our eyes were open to the ignorance and arrogance of the medical community. Well, no, the medical community is not ignorant and arrogant. You run into doctors occasionally who aren't really up to speed on everything that they need to be up to speed on. I mean, that's true of my doctor. I mean, but the, I, and I've talked about it with my doctor, my own personal physician. I've talked to him about the fact that I realize that there is so much stuff out there that doctors need to know that it's impossible for any single doctor to know it. That's why we are increasingly specializing in the medical professions because a doctor who 50 years ago was a general practitioner could know everything that there was to be known 50 years ago, but today there are pediatric endocrinologists who specialize in only nephrology, you know, or something like that. And uh, because just there's an explosion of knowledge that has taken place over the last 25 or 30 years, and nobody can keep up with it. So I've said to my doctor, I know you can't keep up with this stuff. And so talking to him, George, my doctor, great guy, great doctor, I've said, I'm going to help you. 
I'm going to do research on the Internet. And if I have, you know, based on my research, I will discuss things with you, and and hopefully I'll go to sources on the Internet that are credible, but I will discuss with you, and we will develop a management plan for my health based on your knowledge and what I've been able to discover. And that's been working out very well. But to say that doctors are ignorant, the medical community is ignorant and arrogant. No, they're not. (laughs) There's just too much knowledge out there. Now, some of them may be arrogant. And, you know, I've even heard doctors say our training leads us, you know, to believe that we are demigods, you know, and uh, unfortunately, there are doctors who who project, who accept that sort of definition of themselves and project it during visits with patients. But that's the exception. It's not the rule. Anyway, the mother goes on to say that uh, she now will not allow her child to have any vaccines. Well, I disagree with that. Your child had an idiosyncratic, transient reaction, uh, in all likelihood, based on my research, conversations with physicians on both sides of the issue, the idiosyncratic, unusual, transient, fleeting reaction that your daughter had, and indeed you point out that she got over it, was not due to vaccines per se, it was due to the fact that she was given several vaccines at once, this DPT thing. And I think that there is common sense to spacing these out because you are introducing a toxin into the body. And the more toxins that you introduce at any one point in time, the more likely it is that a negative reaction could occur. But this does not impugn vaccines per se. Folks, I can't stress it enough. We need to be vaccinating our children. The reason that there was a recent epidemic of measles in California among children who had gone to Disneyland in Anaheim, California, is because a child who had not been vaccinated, who had developed the measles, was taken by his ignorant, arrogant parents, excuse me, to Disneyland and exposed to children who had not yet been vaccinated because their parents were not fully educated concerning vaccines. And because their parents had refused to vaccinate them, all these children developed measles. Now, measles is a potentially fatal disease in children. It's potentially fatal in adults, as a matter of fact. And it can have long-term consequences. We want to be vaccinating our children. These things are not evil. They are, they are good in the long run, all things considered. I can't say it enough. In an imperfect world, perfect solutions are impossible. We need to stop trying to create utopia, and especially for children, and we need to simply accept that we are not going to be able to do so in any sense of the term, and to do the best job we are capable of doing, given the adversities that a normal life 
involves. So the same mother goes on to say that as a consequence of her experience with vaccines, she has now got her child on, you know, raw milk and organic vegetables and all of this other stuff, which is fine and dandy. However, folks, I've done the research here, too, and there's no evidence that people who drink raw milk and eat organic vegetables live any longer than you and I, as long as we eat properly and feed our children properly. Folks, the fact of the matter is we cannot feed the world on organic food. We just can't do it. So anyway, it's been another Because I Said So with your host, John Roseman, American Family Radio. Every Saturday, 5 o'clock Central Time. If you live elsewhere, you're just going to have to do the math. Hope you join us next time. Bye-bye.